0: Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there. We are experts in intuitive eating for on again, off again chronic dieters, and we are here to help you take the guilt and stress out of eating so you can become the first in your family to break the diet cycle, just like we are in our families. We want you to be who you are without food guilt. Be sure to follow us on Instagram No More Guilt for Melissa and Your Latina Nutritionist for Delina.
1: Are you ready? Let's break the diet cycle. Hey, it's me, Melissa.
0: Before we start, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by No More Guilt with Melissa Landry. What you are about to listen to is not a professional coaching or counseling session. Each episode is a one-time conversation meant for educational purposes. Look, we're dietitians, but we're not your dietitian. Remember that podcasts don't constitute treatment. If you have concerns about your dieting behaviors, seek out guidance from a medical or mental health professional. And if you're looking for the process, support, and focus you need to live life without food guilt, apply for a coaching program from today's sponsor, me. I'm currently enrolling clients into one-to-one programs, group programs, and I recently added a do-it-yourself format, The Ex-Dieter's Guide to No More Guilt. Apply for a program at melissalandrynutrition.com. I hope to meet you soon
1: hola hola chulas
0: hi there we're back today with mimi cole of the lovely becoming and we are here to talk about something delina and i um, certainly experience which is feeling the feelings but we don't often talk about here on the pod as it relates to the intuitive eating journey and so today we're going to dive in on how emotions intersect and specifically why don't we let ourselves feel sad I'm excited to introduce Mimi. Welcome to the pod.
2: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Tell us a little bit about you and your
0: background so the listeners understand um, a bit about your page and and what you are offering to this anti-diet community we're in.
2: Yeah, I was really lucky. Um, One of my first therapists was an intuitive eating haze approach minded person um, and she taught me all about disordered eating and eating disorders, intuitive eating, all that. Um, So I'm really grateful for um, I am currently pursuing my master's degree to become a therapist, um, and I'm almost halfway through, so I'm very excited. Um, And then I also worked in a residential eating disorder treatment center for a couple months um, and gained a lot of experience working one-on-one kind of with clients and in group settings. Um, So that was great. You have such a gift in your community for getting this message out in
0: bite sized encouraging, supportive ways. So I was eager to ask you on and have this conversation with someone like you who has a good sense of, of how to approach this. So I'm so glad you're here, Mimi.
1: Yes, I'm, I'm so excited that you're here. I don't think I knew that you, I, I don't think I've read that anywhere uh, about you. That is so cool that you had that experience like with a therapist early on. Gosh, can you imagine, Melissa, just how different our lives would be
0: <laughs> if we all had that experience? I know. I mean, it might have spent the first like half of my career being more effective and helpful than I was um, had I been open to this approach earlier uh, than, than I was uh, exposed to it. Yeah. And I think our personal experiences are really important to the work we bring as coaches, counselors, and therapists. And we talk a lot in the past about how like finding someone who can kind of identify with your lived experience is so important. So that shows up a lot in your writing and your posts on Instagram,
2: Mimi. Thank you. I'm so grateful. So yeah.
0: Well, let's dive in here today. We have a a meaty subject. So everyone listening, roll your sleeves up, get comfortable. It's about to get started. The first thing I want to talk about is toxic positivity. This is something that I keep seeing out in the world. Basically that response of just being like, it's fine. It's okay. Whatever negative emotions can pop up. And this can sometimes serve to cause problems for people as they're in their own emotional coping journeys or intuitive eating journeys. So I'm curious for you, what is your take on this good vibes only attitude that sometimes we can get into?
2: Yeah, I think it can be toxic, like the name implies toxic positivity, um, because it really serves to minimize our emotions and our experiences. Um, And I think the goal of that kind of phrase of like being positive all the time or good vibes all the time is, you know, well-intentioned, but I think it really turns out to be harmful for people because when negative emotions naturally arise as they will, then we're uncomfortable And then we don't face them. And it really relates to eating disorder recovery too, because when we're not comfortable with feeling discomfort, then it's really hard to tolerate distress, tolerate feelings of fullness, um, to be comfortable with when we're having an imperfect relationship with food, which is going to be everyone's experience. Um, And so I learned a lot from a therapist, Whitney Goodman. She's, I think she's writing a book about toxic positivity, which is awesome. Um, But she just talks about this idea of like, if we are always kind of suppressing our emotions, then we're never making space for the full human experience.
0: Oh my I love- God. That's so good. So good. That, that feeling of like, not being able to, um, accept distress, like, and sometimes we get real natural feelings of distress in our days. These are signals.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Emotions teach us something and give us information about what's going on and what we need to address. And, you know, I think things like sadness and grief are such crucial human processes that teach us so much. And, um, it's so important. Like if we just minimize, like Brene Brown talks about, if we numb the, the pain, then we numb the joy as well. And I think that's so true that we have to feel it all, um, to be able to kind of, recognize what's good and what's what's hard
1: yeah I I agree 100% I oftentimes like just like cringe when I see the posts when I when I see the stories when it's like you know what like yes it's amazing to to think positively and obviously we want to put positivity into the world but damn it. (laughs) We also have to feel everything else. And like you said, how are we supposed to really enjoy the joyful times if we are pushing down the negative? Um, And and Melissa knows I'm a feeler. Like you can tell exactly what I'm, yeah. Like you can tell what I'm thinking just by looking at my face. Like I can't keep my emotions in. And when I meet people that are like, shut and like I'm like what's happening like how can we how can we open these doors (laughs) like like I just can't understand how people could be so shut down but of course I know that there's a reason why but like even me with like feeling all my feelings I still cringe at the toxic toxic positivity because not not everything is unicorns and rainbows I say that all the time to my clients like you you have to see the good and the bad that's the yin and the yang that's how life is, right? It is. We, it is. There's always good. There's always bad. Um, and we have to be able to learn to deal with it all. Mm-hmm.
0: I always tell clients, there's like a difference between feeling positive and positive outlook. You can have both, you can have a negative feeling and a positive outlook. And that's really what intuitive eating I think can offer people, right? Like I feel full or maybe past the point of comfortable, full, And I can, I can help myself through that. I can work through that discomfort. I can empower myself to experiment and learn and grow. And so I think sometimes people are like, just be positive because they worry that the outlook's going to go away. If we lose the positive feeling, that's not necessarily true.
2: Yeah. I think it gives us some sort of sense of control when we're able Mm -hmm. to say, well, it's positive. It's good. It's all all right. And then when those bad or like those negative emotions come up, I hate to say bad, um, Mm -hmm. then we're kind of wondering like, what did I do wrong? Like, where's my sense of control over this? And you tend to feel powerless. Yeah.
0: This is a really important, it, it is, I think, a core skill of intuitive eating or a food freedom process Um, it's something that you can practice in parallel to some of the more explicit skills in intuitive eating. I think the coping with kindness principle does a nice job touching on this, but for many people, intuitive eating is almost like an entry point that they then bring what they find into therapy spaces. So there's this nice intersection between the work. Absolutely. So our next question, um, is about the difference between feeling anxious, which is a normal, typical emotion um, on that feelings wheel uh, versus an anxiety disorder. So first I wanna get clear on what might be the difference between like a feeling of anxiousness and a a disorder. And then we can talk about how that
1: impacts food.
2: Yeah, so I like to say like D stands for disorder whenever we're talking about OCD or we're talking about EDs, Um, And it's really important because in the Diagnostic Statistical Manual um, of Mental Illnesses, that's what we use to diagnose mental illness. Um, and so there's different criteria that are set forth for different disorders. Now, this is a very flawed measure. Um, and so it's not necessarily indicative of people who are undiagnosed or people who experience symptoms and maybe just don't meet criteria. But for anxiety disorders, for example, there's criteria like worries most of the time or it, it really takes over your life and impairs daily functioning. Um, and so it's a lot about how much it interrupts your your functioning level. Mm-hmm. Um, so feeling anxious is so normal, um, like before a test or before, um, a, seeing a new client or something like that, that's really, um, a, a helpful feeling, honestly, even though it doesn't always feel good, mm-hmm. having a little bit of anxiety can help us to prepare and to make sure we know what we're getting ourselves into. Um, and then a disorder is when it becomes kind of, uh, pathological, mm-hmm. um, and it starts to, uh, work against us instead of for us.
0: Yeah. It's so subjective. And I think that's why the criteria, you know, they certainly are helpful for research studies. They're helpful for clinicians to do paperwork and all these other things, but There's a lot of talk, you know, particularly for eating disorders. Like, there's a whole bunch of folks that don't meet criteria that have problematic experiences on and off through their lives without a without a space or a home to explore them. So, I love your attention to asterisk. This is the definition, (laughs) but (laughs) yes,
1: and that definition made me feel better because I think we always say, "I'm such an anxious person." I, you know, not that we self-diagnose, but we always feel like, or I always feel, I know, like that maybe I'm way too anxious or that, you know, something's wrong because I'm, I'm, you know, feeling jittery or anxious, like you say, before a call or before something major happens. But I like that you said it It helps us because it helps us prepare and and just reframing that thought that it's like, you're not a bad person. There's nothing wrong with you for feeling this way. It actually could be a good mechanism to help you mm-hmm. instead of always viewing it as negative. Like we need to see the good with it as well. Like it's helping us prepare so it can, you know, push you yeah. <laughs> a little bit. yeah.
0: Just like hunger and fullness signals are cueing us something from within, in the body, emotional cues do that too. And so to that end, you know, what anxiety, what might anxiety be signaling to someone? Like if you notice anxiety, do you have some sort of checklist in your mind or things as a, as a therapist, you're like, Hmm, let's kind of figure out what that relates
2: to. Yeah, that's a good question. We haven't quite gotten there in my studies yet. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So go to your primary therapist and go ask that question. Cause it's a good one.
2: <laughs> what I will say is that um, anxiety can tell us that there's something wrong, but it can also be a false alarm danger signal. And so I think what it's functionally meant for is to tell us like, there's a problem that needs to be addressed or there's something wrong. Um, but it can also, I think be transformed into something that is not dangerous per se, but maybe, something that we need to prepare for or something that we need to address. Um, and I think- Yeah, that- like I need to push myself to get ready for my call. <laughs> yes.
0: yes. <laughs> right, right. So slowing down is always helpful in in the experience of any type of signal we're not sure of, right? So I think that that's, that's good advice just to say something's up. It's not worth judging. Investigation is, is, is a good idea. So let's talk about how- anxious feelings, either in the context of a diagnosed disorder or just the passing anxiety that might occur. How does that impact eating? How have you noticed that show up for folks and and for yourself?
2: Yeah, it can have a big impact on hunger fullness cues. Um, The way that I see anxiety showing up a lot is either um, not having hunger cues because you're so anxious and your bodily systems are kind of focusing on that stimulus. Um, or it can be overeating, um, in terms of binge eating and, and kind of being really anxious and wanting to do something to soothe those feelings or to make them go away.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it manifests different ways. Some people
0: experience both and some people experience restriction in response to the, the binge behavior or vice versa. So it can be a little bit to unpack, but it, it would be expected that you'd have a harder time sensing yourself when anxiety is present.
2: Absolutely. Because it's like a signal that feels, you know, very persistent. And um, I think our bodies kind of have so much going on with that anxiety that they don't have the capacity to focus on things like hunger and fullness, which are so crucial and essential And I think that's why sometimes it's important to eat when we don't have those cues because we have to be eating consistently. And maybe sometimes, um, like time of day can really help with structuring out your meals until you get used to those cues again. Yeah. Yeah. That's a helpful tip to think
0: through. Um, I had this happen earlier where I wasn't hungry yet. I knew I had a call and you're like, do I want to stop to eat? We've all had that moment where like, it's not here yet, but I feel like if I wait another hour, there's going to be a hangry situation. So, sometimes that practicality has to come in, particularly if you're aware that you have anxiety, an- anxious feelings um, consistently.
1: Yeah. And um, just to piggyback off of what you said, Melissa, I actually had the same thought this morning as well as I was like getting ready. I'm like, oh, I'm not hungry. Let me, like, what am I going to do? And then I was like, oh, I have like fajitas from like last night that I can reheat. But you know what? Like, just reheating it and the smells it actually triggered Mm. me starting to realize that like hunger was coming and and that i should start preparing to eat so do you find that there's you know ways that we can be more in touch with our bodies when we're anxious maybe like aromatherapy um I know like massaging and like touching, I constantly talk to to my clients about like feeling other sensations to kind of like trigger relearning how to feel hunger. Yes. <laughs> do you find that that is helpful? Um, what What do you recommend?
2: Yeah, I really liked what you said. Sometimes when I smell something that smells really good, it's like my brain's kind of like, all right, like actually I kind of am hungry in that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I think finding foods that when you're not so feeling so hungry as best you can, finding those foods that you really like that kind of bring it and make it more enticing um, eating if you don't have social anxiety kind of with friends um, can be really helpful to just get out of the house of course, being safe with COVID. There's always asterisks on everything that I say. <laughs> so, yeah. um, we can't
1: do everything perfectly, even when we're talking on a podcast. Yeah. Nuance,
2: people, nuance. <laughs> Honestly, I hear it in my head and I'm like, oh, someone's going to say like this thing. I know. <laughs> but yeah, I think um, also grounding techniques, kind of, um, you know, making yourself aware of that anxiety, Um, and naming it for yourself. um, And then kind of bring yourself back to the present moment, grounding, deep breathing, things like that.
0: Intuitive eating is an embodied practice, which means it takes place and is, is, is referenced by the body. And so anything you can do to get back into your body, and it doesn't always have to be these elaborate measures. You know, I think sometimes clients get really intimidated, like, well, I feel that way in yoga, but yoga is a 60 minute class and that just feels so inaccessible. Well, how do you make that bite size? How do you create these little small moments for yourself? Even a little bit more than before is better than none when it comes to trying to make that connection. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we had an audience question come through. I I let them know we'd be meeting with you, Mimi, and (laughs) a theme emerged around stress. Um, slightly different than anxiety the way I interpret it, at least. Um, can, Can you talk a little bit about like the difference between stress and anxiety? So we can then talk more about the
1: impacts of it.
2: Yeah. So stress is kind of that feeling like it's almost like anxiety has gone a little bit overboard and you start to get like these physiological symptoms, which you can get with anxiety as well. But stress to me is like a heightened anxious response. um, That's not always super helpful. So I think anxiety can be a little more helpful and stress is a little more like causing inflammation in the body, kind of starting to get to this level where it's something you feel is a little bit out of control. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I'm not a like professor or anything (laughs) so that's my understanding of the
0: two well there's more of a um, like a physical component that I feel many describe where bodily symptoms start to like sometimes GI symptoms can start to chronically change for them or heaviness in the body or noticing procrastination there's all these different things that can come to try to protect you Um, I saw Adelina in your book pile you got the burnout book. Um, I think a lot of us right now are experiencing burnout just in our day-to-day lives. There's not a lot of, you know, normal, normal quote, social interactions, face-to-face the repetition of our days, the, you know, suddenly we have more work because we're (laughs) working from home and we feel like we got to prove our productivity. And (laughs) so it can add up over time, our lifestyles, if we don't have space. Yeah. I haven't read it yet. So,
1: I will take all of the pointers you have, Mimi, because that is up next. That's the first one I'm reading out of the pile. Okay, beautiful. Come back for part two.
0: So, in terms of stress and how that impacts the way that the body feels, um, I learned about this in intuitive eating training as a quote, attunement disruptor. So, it's a physical block to the body's ability to sense itself. And that's making intuitive eating hard for a lot of different folks. Um, I had a client ask, or or rather an audience member ask, how can you silence these attunement disruptors? And my initial thought was like, you can't, it's not (laughs) that... (laughs) <laughs> like the, the question um, itself. So anyway, I guess for this, for people who know that they're stressed, that know that this is at play and really do want to become intuitive eaters, how can you approach that acknowledging these attunement disruptors are in the room?
2: Yeah. And I think it comes back to what you said, like we really can't, we have to show up and be able to engage in new patterns, even when we feel stressed and even when we feel anxiety. There are things we can do to address address stress and to decrease it in our daily lives, like meditation or mindfulness or kind of slowing down and maybe pushing back our agendas a little bit. Um, But overall, stress and anxiety are going to be parts of our lives. And I think instead of trying to say, like, how can I get rid of it all? We can invite them in and say, how can I do hard things with this? How can I engage in practices that align with my values, even when I'm feeling this way?
0: Oh, that's so beautiful. Can we talk about how
2: scary that is? <laughs> <laughs> and that's a
0: lot to ask. So good. <laughs> it is. And I think that's the beautiful part is like accepting that like, it's never gonna, it's, we all want to operationalize it, right? We want to yes, have like a steps yes. and an order, like, Always. My favorite phrase is I'm going to get my life together or quote, yeah. I need to get my life together. <laughs> I was so guilty of saying this all through my twenties. Like I had a master plan of getting my life together and it would never come true. And I would constantly be waiting to take care of myself until that moment arrived. And it never effing came. So that really hit me like a ton of bricks. Mimi. like you got to do it anyway. <laughs>
1: Stress <laughs> is always going to be there. <laughs> you can't wait. You can't, wait. the more you wait, the
2: less you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah and then later it becomes wider.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. This is a practice of, you know, day in and day out repetition and each day it gets a little bit easier, a little bit more automatic. And so letting it start in an imperfect way is such great advice. Yes. And you get some experience for your brain to tack onto. Yeah. And I think it's also
1: important to remember like curveballs are always going to be thrown at yeah. us. Like we did not expect COVID. Like we started this, we started this podcast right when COVID started. We're like, yeah, like if you're listening to this, probably in the future. <laughs> yeah. We're like, we
0: will be experiencing this by the time this episode gets aired. How, what a bunch of jerks we were back then. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Completely unaware. And I think that that level of uncertainty uh, that people are feeling like, oh, we're going to go back in January. Oh, just kidding. It's March. Oh, just kidding. It's. That's a lot for the human brain to have to consistently yeah, recalibrate. Sure. Um, you know, if if you're making these choices to disrupt your life and there's a lot of control, it's less difficult, but you're not, we're not. So that is going on. Um, I'd invite everyone to think about what space they're making for that repetitious change that's going on. <laughs> it wasn't there before. How are you all coping with it? Like, how do you make space for all the changes that have been happening? Slash, are you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a good question. I'm gonna let me discuss this one because you know my I'm a hot mess parade over
2: here. So. <laughs> I mean, I try not to think about an end, an end line, a finish line, um, because that makes me anticipate it and then get disappointed and anticipating disappointed. Mm. And I think there's like room for anticipating things, which is great because you want to have expectations and you don't want to say like, oh, I don't want to have any expectations. So I've never failed, you know, cause that's just not how life works. Um, and, but I think I've been coping with this whole pandemic, um, with, therapy. Um, I love therapy, big fan. Um, although I will say it's it's very uncomfortable sometimes. Um, I, I, I always love it. And then I get to therapy and I'm like, Oh, this is hard. Like, I don't know why I'm always so excited, about it. but, yeah. um, I grow a lot. And, um, yeah, I forgot the question, but
0: well, well, just making space for, for the therapy is really nice. And like you say, the values that you have bring you there, even when it's hard, you still go. That's such a nice role model. I think there's so many things in our lives that are just like not immediately rewarding and we, we need the immediate rewards the most. That's when it's hard to choose this other stuff, right? Like it would feel really great to like not go to therapy and ignore <laughs> ignore that in the moment, but maybe not long-term for what you want in your life.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think it's tough because we live in a society that's so used to instant rewarding. Mm. I... um. I remember I don't remember where I heard this but someone was like when your kids ask you for something because they're so used to like things always being there have them count to 10. Have them like wait for you to give them something so that it's not this instant reward. So I oftentimes I'm like count to the number 10 as I'm like trying to get things done because that way they learn and he wants something
0: okay wait <laughs> did you guys rehearse that before Bryson you are quite making quite the cameo today <laughs> he just came full, full, full he, literally here let's practice let's practice to 10 now Bryson <laughs> 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 that was wow could not have planned that um I think I want to adopt that can I borrow that
1: yes please do I don't remember where I heard it but it's, it's literally like teaching them to be patient, teaching them to wait because they're so used to clicking on an iPad. They're so used to like turning on something and it being right away. Yeah. yeah.
0: And when we want to create certainty, like it's tempting to just react, right? When you, you, you feel anxious or you want to react. So that count to 10 is a really nice technique to just make a little space. I love it. Yes. I think I might have to try that on myself. (laughs) All right. This this was a productive discussion. You know, we got some tips for ourselves too. And I want to share that to anyone listening, you know, anybody you see who is uh, teaching you and supporting you through your journey in life is also on a journey themselves. I really value um, being able to be on Instagram and connect with everyone and, and, and share, like we're figuring things out too. You know, we're trained and we're learning and, you know, there, there's a different lens we bring to things, but it's okay to be in the middle. It's okay to be figuring things out. It's, it's where we all are. Absolutely. Any other thoughts on this discussion on why we aren't letting ourselves to feel sad, how to really cope? What would you say is a takeaway for our audience today to really act or reflect on what we've discussed?
2: Yeah, one thing I'm really curious about is whether we learn that negative emotions feel bad, um, and that's something we're taught, or whether they're signals and they're meant to feel kind of uncomfortable um, because they're showing us there's something that we need to address. I'll say, okay. um, and I wonder if we're taught from a young age that those emotions are okay and welcome, if it becomes easier. But I know our generations. Um, I don't think we've caught up to speed at teaching it from a young age yet. I think a lot of us just learn it when we're older over time. Um, and and it's hard. It's really hard. And and of no fault of our parents, um, they didn't know as well. But I think just having a lot of welcoming and um, inviting into our lives of things that maybe we aren't so happy-go-lucky. Yeah, that's
1: great advice. Yes, I love it. And I think that Kind of like what you were saying, just to wrap it up, I think as a parent, I will say that I think that what we learn, we start teaching it to our children. And and for me, my parenting style has evolved even in the six years that I've been a parent, right? Like I'm learning as I go, but I'm also learning that I have to let my kids show their emotions. And, and I hope that they can grow up to be adults that aren't afraid of feeling the emotions. But I think that we have a generation that's, that's catching up and I, I have hope. <laughs> I have hope. <laughs> that positive
0: outlook, we ain't losing it as we feel (laughs) negative. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely uh, a nice, graceful, compassionate attitude to say like, just do the best you can. When you learn new things, adapt it, try it out, see if it makes it better. Well, Mimi, where can our listeners find your page? Tell us a little bit about what you're up to and how we can support your beautiful work.
2: Oh yeah. Thank you. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at the dot lovely becoming. Um, you can find me on my new website, www.mimi-cole.com. And then if you message me, um, I just started a course for clinicians, um, on OCD and orthorexia.
0: Amazing. Uh, that sounds super interesting and helpful, especially as we learn more and more about the prevalence of orthorexia Mm -hmm. right now. Yes. Amazing. Mimi, thank you for being on the pod. We will see you on Insta and I appreciate so much your insights today.
2: Thank you. All right.
0: Bye. Oh, positivity. What a topic, Delina. Isn't it?
1: (laughs) Everybody wants to be positive. It's a
0: complicated thing to find these days. (laughs) I find myself scratching at the bottom of the positivity barrel some days. you know no, I mean, it can really, get toxic though it can get toxic you can't you can't force, and that's right right it's okay i don't have to force my positivity yeah. it's yeah. funny because i think people see us on instagram and mm-hmm. um we are trying to put our best foot forward mm-hmm. for you mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. um and it probably looks like we are spending our days like <laughs> yeah no everything's so lovely but in between i wish you could see the text in between me and <laughs> you know. yeah. not not safe for instagram stories no. It's a lot of um, And I think that's important, right? Catharsis is important. Letting it out yeah. is important. Negative emotion is energy. We can let mm-hmm. that all out. Yes. Um, can I please tell you something that made me feel so positive today? And I am excited to see your reaction. Okay, tell me. Go. <laughs> Many of you listening may know I am a longtime SNL fan. We are huge dorks. Like, we watch it on Sundays religiously. Like, ever since I was a teenager, I love Do SNL. Do you
1: want me to tell you something? What? I've never watched an episode of like SNL. Okay. I watch the clips. Like I was just I you just watch the clips of when people like are like there and I like them and I'm like, "Oh, I'll see the clips on like Facebook or Instagram, TikTok now." Like I see the clips, but I've never sat down and watched SNL because, Melissa, I grew up watching Sábado Gigante. Okay, which is a sketch
0: comedy show? No, it's <laughs> It's like a one, like a Spanish
1: variety show. It's a Spanish variety show. Okay. <laughs> no, no, yes. me some, no it's <laughs> let me smuggle said so no but every night i didn't watch snl because we were
0: watching that right right this competition yeah 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 a little different for me a little different yeah, for yeah, me Oh, yeah, okay. so those variety shows are funny in their own it's, yeah, a, different it check out. Well, yeah. it's a different variety of comedy not yeah. good nor bad just different yeah okay, okay. um yeah but snl is one of those things lena like You gotta watch a lot of bad TV to watch one good TV. Like, there's like, (laughs) there's like, that one wasn't good. That one wasn't good. And you're just waiting. It's like addiction, like lottery. Like, will I win? You just wait. You just wait and wait. Okay. Anyway, this is a bit of a tangent, but the musical guest was Bad Bunny featuring Rosalia. And I'm telling you, this song I'm obsessed with. it I keep listening it to my in my kitchen, and I'm like,
1: (laughs) you should see her dance. Like I am pop and locking,
0: whatever you want to call this, like. (laughs) I uh, I love reggaeton in high
1: school. Wait, wait, wait. But you have to say the name's right. Bad what? Bunny. Bad Bunny, yeah. And Rosalia. Rosalia. There you go. I said Rosalia. Yeah, you did. Which you is about Rosalia. as white as it that can is, get. That is not her name. <laughs> hey, Delena,
0: I heard Rosalia. My bad. Hold on. Rosalia. 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 <laughs> okay, thank you. You make me better. Uh, okay, now I'm feeling positive. Guys, connect with people that make you laugh. This yes. is so good. And I, we yes. hope you're laughing. We hope that this helped you uh,
1: get some skills in the feels yes. area,
0: especially if you're struggling with emotional yes. eating. And
1: always, always remember that it's okay to feel the negative emotions. We don't have to keep them in, conceal and not feel them like Elsa. Cause you know what happened in the movie? She exploded. We don't want She that. sure did. She we sure don't want did. the ice castles. Sure did. Okay. That's a frozen
0: reference for anyone
1: <laughs> without children. Or- because
0: I watch it every single day. <laughs> well, what's my excuse? Why do I know that reference? I am a childless woman. It's <laughs> for another conversation.
1: I wish you guys could see the video recordings
0: <laughs> As I'm like curling my hair. As She's curling her hair. I'm,
1: I'm grabbing my head.
0: <laughs> they, they've seen the reels. They can imagine. Oh We're
1: gosh. Animated parades. We are very animated. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. But anyway, that's a wrap (laughs) for today's episode. Um, And if you're loving what you hear, please leave us a review. Seriously, it makes our day. So wherever, ever, ever you find us, please, please, please help other women find us as well so that they can start looking into healing their relationship with food and also find our show.
0: Yeah, allegedly the reviews mean something to (laughs) bubble up our podcast for other people to find. So we don't make the rules, but we'd love if you'd play them with us. We want other people to benefit from this show. Um, Or you can tell a friend about our podcast. You know, a lot of people ask like, you know, this person I know is struggling and I don't really know how to talk about it with them. Sometimes you can just drop a line and be like, I love this podcast, let us do the talking. Hopefully they don't get to this part of the recording and figure (laughs) out that this was a (laughs) plan. (laughs) But tell your friends. It's a great way to get the word out and help us all this mental diet culture. Maybe you could even talk about it afterwards. We want to thank you for being here with us and for being who you are.
1: Peace, love, and break the diet cycle. Bye, Delina. Bye, Melissa.